Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Amen. All right. Are you ready for the Bible? All right. I want to open up with you this morning with Matthew 28, verses 16 through 19, actually 16 through 20, some amazing verses of the Bible. These are the last words that Jesus would share with his disciples before he would be taken up to heaven. This is after the, the, the cross. This is after the resurrection. And Jesus is going up to heaven to make intercession for you and me at the right hand of the Father. And this is his last discourse. This is his last conversation with the disciples. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Y'all re- uh, might remember why it's 11 and not 12, because Judas is not on the scene yet. Um, or anymore, I should say. So then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always. Isn't that a beautiful promise? Surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age, to the very end of the age. Let's take a moment and let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day that you have given us. We thank you, God, Father, for your presence. We thank you, Jesus, for this promise that you will be with us to the very end of the age. Today, Lord God, as we look at your commission, as we look at these last words, and as we reflect upon you and the mission that you have given us, Lord, our hearts are open. We want to hear from you today. I pray, Father, that every heart would be encouraged today. Every heart would be strengthened today. We want to hear from you. I pray, Father, for those who are sick in their body today, God, who are struggling physically in the name of Jesus, be healed and be made well. Receive the strength and the virtue of the Lord wherever you are right now and be made whole. We thank you, Jesus, for the healing that you provide. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. So this, was the, uh, this is the last words that Jesus shared, that Jesus' commission to his disciples, what would become their mission. And, you know, when I look at this verse and these verses, they're, they're so compelling what they say, but I can't help but reflect on the fact that, like, this is after three years of following. This is after three years of watching Jesus do ministry, teaching and preaching and healing the sick and driving out demons. This is after three years of learning from literally the master, right? This is uh, after three years of doing. They participated in the work of ministry. They were even sent out uh, in, in twos to go and do the work and did work with Jesus. And now it was time to go and make disciples The word disciples literally means disciplined ones, but what it means is to make followers of Jesus, not make them like twist their arm and make them, but make them like form them into followers. Now this is, I have to say, this is not followers like social media followers. You can be a social media follower and not even like someone, right? Not really truly like them, right? You're just following them to just kind of watch them. No, this is like follower like, I love you, Jesus, and I want to be a doer of what you do, right? That kind of follower. You know, there are a lot of different 
methods and thoughts that you can look at as far as when it comes to that word discipleship. Um, But I I just want to really share a very simple way of thinking about this concept of making disciples. Because when you hear Jesus say, go and make disciples, you go, well, what does that mean? And so I want to, I want to show, share with you a very simple process of how you think about what discipleship is. And then I, I want to pivot, and I just want to talk about um, the power of one, and I'll explain that in a few moments. When we think about making a disciple, there's really just three stages when it comes to being made a disciple. There's pre-conversion, or there's this, this before you've made a decision. Did you know that you can actually be discipling someone before they accept Jesus? And what I mean by that is they can be learning about Jesus. They can be hearing about Jesus. Like, you need to hear something to believe it, right? And so there's this, there's this uh, process that happens before you come to Jesus. I remember my process before I came to Jesus, people talking to me, me praying in secret and asking God if he was real. You know, the, the past approach to pre-conversion or pre-before somebody makes a decision to follow Jesus um, used to be you just convince them they're going to hell and they're going to turn to, to God. And um, that has, has been effective in different seasons and cultures and things like that. It's typically less effective. It's not less true, but it's typically less effective as far as what causes people to turn to God. And even Scripture talks about God's kindness leads us to repentance. It's the fact that he loves us so much uh, that really turns us to him and makes us go, man, he's, he's got such a better plan for my life than I have. And, and my life in my own hands is overrated. Today, you know, generally speaking, when we're sharing with people who haven't come to Jesus, it's really not complicated. I'm going to say that again. It's not complicated. And the enemy will tell you that you don't know enough. The enemy will tell you you're going to make a fool out of yourself. Your insecurity will tell you you're going to make a mistake. You know what? I'd rather make a mistake doing the right right thing than do nothing. I'd rather make a mistake doing the right thing than do nothing. And so it's really, it's not complicated because you know what you do? You share what you know, like as a friend to someone. Here's what I know about God. You, you share what you've experienced. Tell them the stories. What's great is the things that God has done in your life, no one can take that away from you. And you can just share, here's what he's done in my life. And you know what? It's okay to, be sh- to share what you don't know. Some people have big questions for, for God, and, and maybe you know, they have questions like, well, why does he let this happen? And you know what you could say? You could say, I don't actually know. It's okay. You actually could gain more credibility being honest about what you don't know than acting like you know it all. Because that's what friends do. Friends are honest, right? But it's, it's not complicated. It's just sharing. But I think it's important that we see people in those stages. First, pre-conversion and, and respect before people have made a decision. And it's their decision to make. They're allowed to make their decision. But you know what's great is uh, when, you, when you know God and you know his truth, you know it works. So you don't have to force anything. You just need to keep presenting the truth, presenting the, and the Holy Spirit is working both sides of that. 
There's, then there's after pre, pre-conversion or pre, you know, making that decision, there's that conversion moment. And again, I'm just kind of breaking this down into three steps. And the conversion moment is really just like, it is, it is a monumental time in life. You hear me all the time at the end of services saying, if you never had that day, if you've never made that decision formally, making that decision that, that no, God, I don't just believe in you, but I receive you into my life and I ask you to forgive my sins. It's that day where that, that changes everything where we go from a life without God to a life with God. And the way Scripture describes that is that we are born again. He gives us His Holy Spirit. The way I like to describe it is like colors look different. Not like literally, but it's just like you're looking through the same eyeballs. You are the same person. But you're just like, life just looks different with Jesus in my life. And what Jesus is waiting for is for us to make that decision to formally say. And I want to encourage, you know, some of us, are, are, you know, we, we've been sharing with people. And I, I just want to encourage you to every once in a while just have that courage, especially with that leading of the Holy Ghost, that courage to just say, have you ever had that moment? What moment? Well, that moment where you said, God, come into my life, where you received Jesus as, the, as your Savior. People can say yes, they can say no, they can say I'm not ready. I'm not ready is a perfectly fine, fine answer. But, you know, a lot of people, given the opportunity, will say yes. There's a guy um, here in Richmond, he's a, uh, I, I want to say he's a good friend, but he's a friend of mine, and um, he does this, uh, this thing on Facebook called Evangelism on Fire, and he has a real gift for the cold conversation where he can just, uh, he'll walk up to somebody and have a conversation, and 10, 15 minutes later, they are sincerely saying, yes, I want that Jesus in my life. It's such a gift. It's such a gift. And I think what he does is he closes a lot of the, the conversations that you and I have planted seeds for. And not to take anything away, but you know, it's what Scripture says, one plants uh, there's the water, and then God brings forth a harvest. But there's, there's this process that God is working in people's lives. But the, the moment that people make a decision is really important. Do you all hear me? Here's the thing, and I don't say this in a condemning way. I say this in a way that we, a, a revelation way, right? You can know God exists and not have him in your life. You can know Jesus is real and not have him in your life. You can pray to God, and he will listen to you. He will answer your prayer. There is something about receiving God into your life and making him your God, right? And that's an important moment, and it's to be treasured. A lot of times that moment is followed by people saying, you know what, I'm going to get baptized and make a public declaration that I believe that Jesus was, died and was buried and rose again, and it's a really, really beautiful thing. So we have pre-conversion, and again, the reason that I mention that in the making disciples is people need to come to Jesus to grow in Jesus, right? But to come to Jesus, they need to learn of him, just like somebody who knows Jesus needs to learn of him. Amen? It's not magic, right? All right, and so you have the pre-conversion and the conversion. Those are probably more accurate. I need to come up with softer, nicer words, Um, but it really is conversion. It is from life to death. It is a difference, right? It, it's, you really are laying your life down and saying, I want to follow you, God. It's not brainwashing. It's brain renewal. It's filling with the Holy Spirit. Then the third is the journey. Pre-conversion, conversion, the journey. And the journey is like the dot, dot, dot. 
the rest of your life, right? This journey that we have with God, making disciples where we are worshiping God, we are experiencing God, we're learning about God, we're sharing our experiences with God, with, our, 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 with God's family, which is, you know, the church. And, you know, it, it's, it's a journey, if you will, of next steps, which is a, a great kind of way to describe things, right, is the next steps. All of us should be thinking in terms of, what is my next step? And when we're talking with somebody we love, you know, you're asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is their next step? You know, their next step may be, you know, a Bible reading plan. Their next step might be, you know, worshiping on their own in their car or in their house. Their next step might have been baptism, like I mentioned. Their next step, you know, could be sharing their faith with others. Their next step could be something in the house of God, like, you know, taking the Discover class or joining a life group and having a, a friendship group that you're talking about Jesus and praying and those kind of things. Your next step might be, you know, you know, serving on a team and bringing your gifts to the house of the Lord and saying, you know what? God's called me to be a drummer and God's called me to, to be a safety person. And God, you know, God's got his hand on me to, to do these things. I'm going to use my gifts. There's, there's a bazillion next steps that you can take in just moving forward as a disciple. It's a good question for us to ask ourselves and it's a good question to ask when we're, when we're sharing with other people and talking to other people, what is their next step? Or what is the thing that they need to hear you know, that God is doing? Um, so when we've talked about this, this concept of discipleship or making disciples, I've just kind of broken it down into three steps. And really, I, the reason I do that is because when we, when we are being made disciples and when we are out sharing our faith and, and touching lives, we just need to think in terms of where people are before conversion or before Jesus, receiving Jesus, conversion, and the journey. That's what I should have said. Before Jesus, with Jesus, the journey with Jesus. I like that. I'm rewriting it for second service. But now I want to, I want to pivot. I wanted to lay that kind of as a framework because when, we're, when we think of making disciples, it's a good way to think. Sometimes we think, and here's the reason I laid it out. Sometimes when we think of disciples, we only think of, well, you have to receive Jesus to make a disciple. Actually, what you want is you want people to know about Jesus so they can receive Jesus, so they can grow in Jesus, right? Like the whole thing is part of the process. There's been many people in my lives where I felt like I was discipling them long before they came to Jesus. And then they came to Jesus and they just kept on the journey. So let's talk about the powerful one, uh, power of one. I, I, I'm speaking of how powerful it is to see just one person every day. Every day of your life to just see someone. I'm talking about the, how powerful it is to just pray for just one person each day of your life. And I'm not talking about like your normal prayers. I'm like thinking about seeing somebody different or praying for somebody different. How powerful it is to care for someone, uh, just one person each day. How powerful it is to speak to just one person one day. Just, just one. I, I love the number one because the, the math there to me just like goes ballistic. One is just a really beautiful number. It's like the first kind of whole number. It's, a, it's like a very a beautiful number. It's so much better than zero. Amen. When you have one rather than zero, right? Zero does a lot of damage in the math world, right? Um, but one is just, it's just a beautiful number. And you know, if you take one 
today and you take one tomorrow and you take one the next day, and I'm talking about seeing one person, it just begins to add up. If you'll just see one person every day. I was thinking about this in terms of Jesus' life. And I was thinking, you know, he talked to thousands and then he would talk to one. And there were a couple stories that really just, you know, stuck out to me. The first one being the woman at the well. Like, Jesus is tired. Anybody ever been tired? Jesus was tired. He's tired. Now, picture this in your mind. He's tired. He's sitting at this well. It's been a long day. He's traveling with the disciples. He's at this town called Sychar, and it's in Samaria. And, and uh, the disciples have gone off to buy some food. And there's Jesus sitting, and this lady comes up to the well in the middle of the day, which is not when women would come to the well. They would come early in the day or late in the day and come together when the sun wasn't real hot, you know. And, but she, here she comes in the middle of the day, and it says in John 4, 7, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. I preached a, a three-part series on this back in March of last year called Smart Water. Um, but, you know, one of the things that really stands out is, in a real glaring way, is that Jesus sees her in the first place. I don't mean like he saw her with his eyeballs. I mean that her presence registered with him. You ever been standing in a line? And all of a sudden, someone around you, they, it registered that they're there. Somebody you don't know. You know what I mean? You're there, you go into a food line. You go into all the, your U-crops oh, doesn't exist anymore. Um, you, go, you go into your Kroger, and like there's hundreds of people in the building. But you know when you notice someone, when you see them, she's obviously there. She's the only other person there. But the fact that he recognized her, the fact that he recognized her presence, that he spoke to her. He's breaking every cultural standard that there is. The, you know, the cultural standard that men don't talk to women uh, in public. He, you know, he's rejecting the cultural sin where you know, they don't talk to people of another race, these Samaritans, like they don't interact with them. He's, he's, he's breaking the cultural sin of rejecting people because of, of, of you know, their poor, poor life choices because this woman has had five husbands and she's living with someone else. And you know, Jesus is is evidently aware of all of this, but he sees her and he cares for her through all of the reasons not to or all the excuses not to. He just sees her. And it makes me think, you know, do we see, when we see people, in this story, she's marginalized, right? She's on the outside. The reason she's there alone is because she's not with the group of ladies. She's not in the in crowd. She can't come get water with them, so she's all alone. You know, when we see people who are marginalized, I want to marginalize, I want to encourage you that like we don't you don't look at people with pity, you look at them with an attitude of love and empathy. Here's the difference. Pity looks down. What love and empathy do is it comes alongside and, and says, I want to understand what you feel. It's a totally different feel. One lords over, I'm better than you, and the other says, I just want to understand. I care, and you know, I want to you know, feel a little bit of what you're feeling so that I can um, care about what, what you're going through. 
And Jesus just teaches, uh, interacts with this woman in such a realm of truth, but so respectfully. I think about that story, and I think, man, he, he saw her. He recognized her. Another story was, you know, I was thinking about Zacchaeus. I preached about Zacchaeus uh, back in November. November, I think it was 26, 28. Um, the, the name of the message was very uh, creative. It was called Zacchaeus. Um, so here you have this short, I'm not making fun of him, like this is what the scripture says, this short, literally not tall, tax collector who runs ahead of the crowd, climbs a tree just to see Jesus. And Jesus sees Zacchaeus, like really sees him, not just a man in a tree, but sees him. And he sees the hunger that Zacchaeus has. And, you know, this really inspired me because I think, you know, I want to see people. I want to see people who are hungry. I think a lot of times when God puts our attention on a person that he's helping us to see someone who is hungry or see somebody who's in need or see somebody who, who they're ready. He is preparing them. And, and I want to tell you something today. The more that you pray for opportunities to see people, the more you will see people. The more you ask for an opportunity to see people, the more people you will see. Because the Holy Spirit is ready. And the harvest is white, meaning that it is ready. There are people that God is preparing for His Word and for His Gospel. And I realize that we can't see everybody. And you can't see, like, in the way that I'm talking, like, really paying attention to them. But if each day we were to just see one person, and you might have picked up on this. I'm, 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 I'm shifting this into a challenge, into an encouragement, right? I want to encourage you to see one person every day. I want, you, I want to encourage you to see someone who's marginalized or see somebody who's hungry for God or see someone who is alone or see someone who just looks like they are going through a tough day. You know, the, the mom in, in Aldi with four kids and she's just trying to get cereal back to the house and keep them all alive, right? You know, see the person in, uh, in your day-to-day life who, who is hurting, who, you know, maybe that person looks really angry and maybe that person looks like they've got a lot of issues in their own heart, but maybe what's going on is they're hurting and God wants you to see it. Or see someone who their marriage is breaking down or see someone who they're worried and struggling with their, with their kids in home, at home. But when you see them, the challenge is to do something. That's, that's the power of just like one person each day. Just do some, see, some, see one, do something. See one, do something. And I have to admit, what I see is I see the cumulative effect that if our hearts are open to one and looking for one every day, yeah, God's got to have some assignment for us each day. Someone that we see, you're riding down 64, somebody cuts you off and goes, there's my one right there, Jesus. I don't know what's in them, but it, it surely is not the Holy Spirit. And I just, you know, like... <laughs> Turn it into a sincere prayer rather than road rage, right? Like, but seeing one person and doing something, whether it be talk to them, whether it be encourage them, whether it be decide I'm going to make them my friend today, whether it be offer to pray for them. You know, it's amazing how open people are to being prayed for. 
We've had lots of God stories about people being prayed for that in public places and things like that. The thing is, is people need prayer. And they want God to touch their lives. Uh, pray for them without, with, what, with them knowing and offer them. But you can also pray for people like without, without them even knowing it. But here's what I want to encourage you. Like really pray. Not like tick the box, but like really see someone and really ask God to give you a heartfelt prayer for them. It could be something simple as, you know, God says, you know what, I want you to just give them a gift. Like literally a physical gift. Say God bless you. God loves you. You know, God sees you. You know, talk to them about what Jesus has done, done for you in your own life. But the thing is, is the Holy Spirit is infinitely creative. Now, I will, I'm going to tell you, be honest with you. God will move you out of your comfort zone. But I promise you, your comfort zone is overrated. And the good stuff is over that barrier. And that comfort zone, that, that barrier between your comfort zone and some of the things that God will lead you to do, it's not as thick as you think it is. It's not as hard to cross as you think it is. And by golly, just take a risk. Just kind of step over to the other side and just see what God does. Even if you look like a fool, I like to go to the end. I like to just say, what if I look like a fool? What if they laugh in my face? You know what? They've never laughed in my face. And you know what? I've looked foolish many times. I admit it, and I don't care. I would rather be a fool and sincere with my intention. People are not notches, and I have to say that. You know, when I say one, noticing one, I mean noticing one person as a person created in the image of God that he cares about, that he has a plan for, that he has a way forward for. People aren't notches in your belt. They're not accomplishments. They're God's children, and he cares about them. And our comfort zones are way overrated, and you are not having nearly as much fun as you could if you cross that comfort zone. Some of y'all are like, I'm backing up now, Pastor. Beep, 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 beep. Now come on back to me. Come on. Somebody saw you. Somebody saw you. Somebody noticed you. Somehow you heard the gospel. Somehow you heard that Jesus loves you. Somewhere along the way, you were before Jesus. And you came to a place of, I'm receiving Jesus. And now you're on this journey. And the last words that Jesus said is, go and make disciples. Those were his last words. Not, go and build houses. I love houses. I have a house. I think building houses is great. Not go be successful. I think success is great. He said, go and make disciples. And I think all the things that are in our lives, we are so blessed and we are so rich and we are so fortunate. Amen? Amen? I just stepped on a lot of toes. I can tell. It's okay. When I, when I say... He didn't call us to build houses and, and have careers. He wants you to have a house and a career. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that that's not the purpose. That's not the end. That's not the reason. That all serves into his purpose. Because it's all going to fade away and his kingdom will remain. I love this verse in Romans 1.16. And I, I want to tell you today that if you're afraid, if you're afraid to do the thing that God has put in your heart to do when it comes to people around you. Um, 
Listen to this verse, Romans 1.16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and then the Gentile. Isn't that beautiful? I want to tell you how it works, like how the Bible says it works. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God or the message of God. What happens when people hear about Jesus, when they hear what Jesus has done in your life, and when they hear about the cross and the the debt that he paid on the cross for our sins and our shame. When people hear that, there's an opportunity for them to, by faith, grab a hold of that and go, I believe that. You see, that's where the gospel, the good news, that's what it means, is good news. The good news that Jesus came to save us. That's where the gospel has power, is that when people hear it, they have an opportunity to grab a hold of it and believe it. Later on in, in uh, Romans, it talks about, but how can they hear if there's not a preacher? And how can a, there be a preacher if they're not sent? And here's the thing. The preacher it's talking about is not me. It's we. Amen? Remember last week, I, I ended us on that, um, we ended up the, the crossing over message. And I said, that, um, I said that now if we all walked up to the Jordan, instead of sending the priest and the tabernacle of Mo, uh, the, taber, the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant out into the water, we would probably all go up to the water together and step in because we all have the Holy Spirit in our lives when we've received God, right? And we are all the priests. We are all like, we're a kingdom of priests, as it says in 1 Peter, and we would all step on the water. And you see, God's brilliant plan is that his disciples would go and make disciples. And then today... Really what I've done in Scripture, what I feel like the Lord's had me, led me to do, is to make that process very simple in our minds and very doable. Just see one person and go do what God tells you to do. Probably start you off with just by praying for them. Then he might have you use some Christianese. God bless you. Then he might have you make a comment about, about what Jesus has done in your life or Ask them if, if they, you know, if, they, if they're a, they believe, if they know about Jesus. Ask them if they want to learn anything about Jesus. But I just want to encourage you today. Would you this week, like, just see one person each day? For me, I, I, I like a device to remember. I was, I've, at first, I found a rubber band. It was a red rubber band. I thought, ooh, that'll help. Like, I'll look at that. Why is that there? I need the one person today, right? but it was cutting off my circulation. And I thought, that would get distracting. Um, and I don't want a blue hand. I like circulation. So I decided I was going to set an alarm on my phone about midday, uh, 12.30, middle of the lunch hour kind of thing, as a reminder of, have I, has God showed me the one yet kind of thing? If he hasn't, I'll probably set an alarm for a little later in the day, just as a reminder to pay attention, and not to pay attention like i got to find somebody, but pay attention to like, who does God want to put on my heart today? See, let the Holy Spirit, that's where it gets really fun, is when the Holy Spirit is leading you to the one. I heard a story this week of a man who went most of his life just really resisting God and married a godly woman who uh, was a churchgoer, just loved God, just loved God. And, you know, she was praying for her husband. 
And just this week, he was on his deathbed. And everybody was wondering, is he ready? Is he ready? And uh, they took him off the ventilator. He, he comes to, and the chaplain there starts talking to him. And um, I talked to the chaplain later in the week, and he's crying. He said, Mike, I just shared with him that Jesus has gone to pay your debt on the cross. He's gone to pay for your sins, to wipe them away. He said, would you like to receive this gift of Jesus? And through the guy's mask, he goes, yes. He says, okay, I'm going to pray for you. And he's just laying on the bed. And he, the guy says to me, this, this, this uh, chaplain, he's crying, telling me. And he's like, he said, I just started praying. He says, and the man's arms just went like this to receive Jesus in his life. And he was gone that day. David said in prayer this morning, it's just like the guy on the cross next to Jesus. Jesus said, today I'll see you in paradise. Man, that's the good stuff. That's the fun stuff. Can you imagine she had been praying for him for years and years and years. And the thing is, is you and I are called to that. Amen? We are called to that. These were Jesus' last words. Go and make disciples. It's not complicated. You don't need a degree. You don't need more than you have right now to just see one person and do one thing. And if you do that next week, you'll have touched seven people in some way. If you did that another week, I'm really good at math. That'd be 14 people. You did that for a year? That's a bigger number. But like just one. Like just see one person. Aren't you glad somebody saw you? And if you say, you know, it's just not in my heart. I don't have enough in my heart. Pray for your heart. Put your hand on there. Go, God, help me to see somebody today. Help me to care. This is good for us. This is good for us. And it's not complicated. The God of the universe cares for people. And the God of the universe is still leading people to him and bringing people to him all over the world. And I, we, we are blessed to have our feet on places around the world where it is so hard to do this, where you've got to use so much strategy so you don't get locked up or you don't get persecuted. But by golly, here, come on. Come on. It's not complicated. It's not hard. It starts right here. God, help me to see one person today, just one person. And I want to encourage you today, would you today think of how am I going to remind myself every day? Whether it's put a ring on you haven't been wearing in a long time, a necklace you haven't been wearing. I don't care what it is, a, a rubber band, don't cut off your circulation. I don't recommend it. Just something to help you go one person today. Let's just see what God will do. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray with you. Father, we... We love you today. We honor you today. Just before I continue praying, I want to just say today, you know, if you're listening to that and you go, you know what, I had never had my day where I received Jesus into my life. I want to tell you today, January 30th, 
2022. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. I put my life in your hands and I want to follow you. There is no decision like that decision in your life. It will change the course and trajectory of your life on earth and especially in eternity. If that's a decision you want to make today, I want to know about it. Would you go to the website, victorychristian.church and click on next steps. We take it so seriously. We built a place even on the internet just so you could tell us because if angels are rejoicing in heaven about your decision, we want to rejoice with you as well. Continue to pray. Father, we love you and we just say today, God, we, we ask you to minister to our hearts that we would see one. We just want to be like you, Jesus. You saw the woman at the well. You saw Zacchaeus. You saw blind Bartimaeus who couldn't see anyone else, Lord. You saw, you saw, you saw. And God, your heart was big enough. Your love is great enough. We're just asking, God, for some capacity to care for one, to love one today. Lord, open up our hearts. Open up our spirits. Open up our, our lives, Lord Jesus, to see the one. Father, for some, it's someone in their family tomorrow. For some, it's someone at their workplace tomorrow. For some, it's someone they saw in traffic or at the Aldi, Lord God. Father, I just thank you, God, for just putting one person on our heart. And Lord, I pray that even as you do it, would you visit us with your Holy Spirit. God, your Holy Spirit leads the mission. Your Holy Spirit leads us. And really what we're doing today is we're yielding to your assignments and yielding to your heart and just saying, God, just put people into our heart today. Put people into our heart today that we would see just one person. God, that our heart would love them. God, as you love them. And God, that we would be faithful just to do the one thing, the one thing that you put on our hearts. God, we thank you and we honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.